welcome to Cloudlandia. Well, uh, welcome to the Cloudmaster. <laughs> How are you, sir? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Back in the swing of it. So we're back into its little workshop schedule as of last uh, last week. And uh feels good. Uh, I have to tell you, I was two and a half weeks at the cottage. And I, yeah. And I've read a lot of articles about people suffering from um, Zoom fatigue, and uh-huh. I've got the opposite. I've got the opposite problem. I'm suffering from when I'm away for two and a half weeks. I suffer from Zoom addiction. Oh yeah, yeah. I get it. I get it. Yeah. It's the new uh, connection. We. I just yeah. watched a. I, uh, I really find it. I just find it energizing. You know the fact yes. that. Uh, I mean, you know, we, the, the two of us actually have a mindset towards this because, uh, uh, you know, the response to this that happened in March and April, you know, when things yes. did not allow us to travel, um, I, I felt it as a big jump forward. It, it mm-hmm. wasn't uh, like, uh, oh, wow, we've been set back here. We haven't been set back. We've been, we've jumped forward and, uh, um, now there's, now there's people on the other side of the line, you know, I mean, yes. I've always, I've always wanted to communicate, but they didn't, they didn't choose to have this capability. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. hundred percent. I was watching, uh, we, we watched a documentary, um, a couple of nights ago, uh, called the social dilemma. And it's about how, it was these high level uh, people at Google, Facebook, um, Twitter, all the, the you know, high end uh, developers who've left those places out of like the fear of that it's it's bad, you know, for society <laughs> kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah. realizing how manipulative it is and how they're really. Um, you know, shaping our addictions to it. Yeah. And well, there was an interesting insight that one of the things that they said is people are concerned about AI and are we going to reach a point where AI is more intelligent than than humans, like or where it's going to have better mm-hmm. capabilities than us. And they said that's the wrong approach to think about because what's more important is when will ai become more powerful than our weaknesses which it already is and it's already running our lives because of that Mm -hmm. and that's an interesting thought that because of our addiction to uh this you know constant uh dopamine hit of new update new like it's really the infinite scroll was on the mm-hmm. phone was really just this amazing thing where every time you swipe your thing down it's like a brand new it's constantly refreshed there's always new um stuff and their whole goal is to manipulate what you see on those refreshes that will keep you engaged long enough mm-hmm. to get to the next to the next ad and yeah. uh yeah it's pretty it that they're they're trying to optimize that uh that whole thing so yeah it's pretty you, you know the thing that i was thinking uh is whether you're passive or active in relationship to incoming information you know and uh what i think yeah. that it's doing is that it's creating a division in society between those who only consume and those who actually use the incoming information to create. Yeah. What do you think about that? What do you think about that? There's a, I, there's a gap, there's a divide. Yes. I think that's true that you, if you can be in control of it, I think you're right that there's something about letting it happen to you or uh, proactively kind of, Seeking it out, we're we're definitely doomed with overchoice and oversupply and infinite supply. I was thinking about yeah. the difference. Like if we looked back at um, when television first started, there were three stations that mm-hmm. were 
only broadcasting really prime time, right? That there were at the entire country would gather around and watch whatever was on the three shows last night. That's why I love Lucy and the honeymooners and, and uh, shows like that where everybody in the fifties had a homogenous um, programming experience, you know, that they all saw. Well, I, I was. I, I mean, I, when you were growing up, hmm. what was your household? You're, you're, you're talking to one of those. You know, yeah, you're talking. Yeah, no, I mean, we got television as near as I can figure, probably around 1953. I think that was the year. So I was nine years old, and yeah. uh, you know, and I'd been a radio. I'd, I'd been, you know, I grew up on radio. Um, uh-huh. You know, uh, listening to radio all the time, and you know, and. Uh, it was a, it was neat. Uh, you know, some neighbors got it before we did, and uh, you'd go over and watch something on television. And you know, I guess my siblings and I kind of put pressure on my parents to get a, you know, to get a TV, and we got a TV. And um, yeah, I think it was great. I, you know, I mean, uh, I don't remember those conversations about how this was, you know, possibly a danger or possibly a right. negative, you know. Um, right. You kids but, don't sit so close to that TV. Right. Yeah. Uh, the big problem was, did you have an antenna that could give you actually a clearer program for a solid hour? You know, like okay. uh, there, there was a lot of issues about antennas, whether they good antennas. And, you know, the weather had an impact on that, thunderstorms and everything everything else and uh and so um you know it was a gradual process it was something new and uh as far as i can tell it was enjoyable you know like uh yeah i think i think i think you know it it did change the pattern of your day um because um um you know every night had something Uh, I, i didn't watch daytime you know daytime tv at all so i didn't Right. Um, that wasn't it. We were on a farm and there were things yeah. to do during the day. And, uh, but I remember sports, uh, senior team was uh, a big deal. You know, yeah. I, you know, the, I grew up near Cleveland. So the Indians and the Browns were the, yeah. you know, the base, baseball and football. And I thought it was a great treat that you could actually watch them. Yeah. Watch them, watch them play. So do you remember the any... watching? what you would watch in the evenings? Like, do you remember what? Yeah. Yeah. You named, the, yeah. Uh, you named them, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, yeah. I love uh, Lucy and the honeymooners. I, yeah. The, the honeymooners. Yeah. De- definitely. Those were two big ones. And for me, one of the big things, and this was after school, this was probably about four o'clock, four o'clock. And it was the Mickey mouse club came in in 55. Oh and, yeah. Uh, yeah, and that okay. was good. And I actually, uh, much later, ten years later, I actually um, spent about three days traveling with one of the original Musketeers, uh, right. Doreen, Tra- Doreen Tracy, and uh, uh-huh. he, you know, and uh, it was, uh, you know, it was kind of interesting because she was about twenty-three uh, when I met her, and uh, uh-huh. she she had a she had a good grip on who she was and you know, what kind of life she had. And uh, she yeah. said, you know, I was at the peak of my talent when I was 13. And that's yeah. why I made it into the Mickey Mouse Club. But she said, I haven't gotten really any better. And she told me that uh, she was on a USO. This is for the military in Korea. She was doing a show. And she said, you know, this is actually my last uh, entertainment gig. She said, I have to go back and you know, get serious about what I'm going to do. And she oh, became wow. a talent. She became a talent manager at uh, uh-huh. Warner Brothers, and um, and uh, one of the acts that she brought along was Frank Zappa. You know, she she was the talent wow. manager for Frank Zappa. This is recording, for, you know, yeah. for recording in those days. Yeah, but you know, uh, uh, the news became important, like the uh, six o'clock well, news Cronkite, became important, right? Yeah, yeah. Huntley and Brinkley. My my parents were Huntley and Brinkley uh, okay. people, and so there were two of them, and and you know they had the six o'clock, the six o'clock news, and um, yeah, yeah, it, it was great. Yeah, that's and you know it's interesting because that for that whole period, like largely. 
that experience that you had was basically unchanged for if you know TV really got kind of mainstream in 1950, let's say, that it was really 25 years before anything really changed in television. I mean, yeah, it was I, th- I three, think the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The only exception was the public. Uh, the public network came in. Uh, you know, the uh-huh. public television came in. So right. that was the fourth yeah. station. And then we were uh, on the North Shore of Lake Erie. So um, really clear, clear days and clear nights, we could pick up the um, Canadian broadcasting from Windsor. Oh, wow. Yeah, uh-huh. so we'd pick up Windsor, so we could pick that up. That was the... Uh, Interesting. Um, yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, but uh, I didn't have any sense, and there was long stretches when I was... Uh, uh, out on my own after I graduated from high school, you know, and when I was at college and when I was in the army and, uh, and, uh, so, so on that, um, I didn't really watch television. You know, I didn't, uh, right. I went, I probably went through about a 25 year period where I just really didn't watch television very much. And, uh, uh-huh. and then, and then by that time, I, you know, uh, CNN had come on board and, uh, yes. you know, and, uh, and then you began noticing, uh, that television did not shut down at 12 o'clock or one o'clock and yes. you know, take the take the night off and things started going 24 hours, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, um, yeah. So anyway, it was interesting, but, uh, we're kind of in the early stages of Zoom right now. I mean, um, yeah. you know, that uh, it's no longer odd people who do teleconferencing or anything like that. You know, that someone would stick out, no, I, I don't travel anymore. I do teleconference. And I was sort of an odd person. Everybody traveled. And, um, and then all of a sudden, people didn't travel. Yeah, and now I think it's... Um... Yeah, how how are yeah. you um how are you enjoying now the you're back to the regular workshops? Are you doing like full days? Six yeah. hours. Six hours, yeah. Six hours. So okay. Five yeah, it's uh you know, it's basically fifty three minutes and then we have a break and fifty three minutes we have a break. Yeah. Fifty three minutes we have a break, then we have a forty five yeah. minute lunch break and then we have two more sessions. So there's about mm-hmm. five uh, 50, you know, think about it as 50 hour sessions yeah. and every session has a thing to think about, you know, it's questions mm-hmm. or it's a form, which I try to get over yeah. in about six, six or seven minutes and then mm-hmm. have men breakouts and then come back and share, share, the, you know, share yeah. the, the thoughts that came out during the breakout session and questions mm-hmm. and everything like that, you know, and I love mm-hmm. it. You know, I mean, I just, I just really love it, and uh, yeah. and uh, you know, and we get uh, you know, we've got some hardliners. You know, they say, "Well, it's I don't care what you say about this. It's not the same, and it's not the same." And uh, they're going to wait until you know it's uh, they're free to do what they want to do, and then we'll mm-hmm. know what when people are free to do what they want to do what do they do <laughs> right exactly yeah yeah and i don't know that you know people keep asking yeah. me what do you think i said you know i am the foggiest you know because um i said i think people are you know re- rearranging their lives rearranging their plans uh you yeah. know rearranging their activities i said i i can't predict uh, how it's gonna you know when the choice is back fully that you can do um but I do know on yeah. Tuesday we're starting our first global Zoom workshop from the start. So this so is a total innovation right here now. So that tell me about that. So that's a, a signature uh, program. Yeah, signature. Signature. It'll be Eastern New York, so it'll be Eastern Time U.S. The first yeah. one, and mm-hmm. then and then we have the next one is uh, Standard Time for Greenwich, Greenwich Mean Time. Mm-hmm. So that and. Uh, uh, we were pushing 30 for the first one. So I thought that that was really good. I mean, anything you get for the first thing is good because. Right. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it's learning that pays for itself, you know? So, yeah. um, 
And uh, I think out of the 30, uh, it's 20, 28 or 29, but uh, they're pushing, you know, because it's easy to sign up for Zoom because all they do is make a decision and set aside the day um, yeah. where they are. They don't have to pack and go to the airport and travel and get a hotel. And, well, you think about you the know. savings of that. The time, I mean, the, the, the people who normally wouldn't be able to, um, yeah, fit that in are people who now yeah. there's no time, no time impact of it. Are you the same uh, price but, or is it different? Yeah, same price. For, we, we haven't, no, no, we haven't changed the price. And, uh, right. Yeah, you know, and we say, look, uh, the people who pay this price and come also pay for travel, also pay for overnight, yeah. also pay for this yeah. and that. And I said, uh, so um, this is less. <laughs> yeah, that is. Yeah, we don't. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah. don't charge I, any more uh, for all the convenience. Right. <laughs> I think that's it. <laughs> That's just the opposite. Uh, is it Stella Artois? You know the Belgian. Right. Or, you know. No, that was uh, I always we, said that on the uh, thing. That the, whenever you embrace. Yeah, that we use we use we use the most uh, expensive ingredients, ingredients and pass the cost on to you. That's exactly <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're uh, we we've taken away a lot of the expenses and we, yeah. you're the benef- you're the beneficiary for that. Yes, that's yeah. exactly right. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. First of all, I am not a discounter, you know, I No, I've exactly, never right. And and uh and I was talking to Peter Diamandis about that because uh Peter uh, there's not going to be any uh, live event in January in Los Angeles. Right. And uh, and uh, and now he's started. It's, it's actually very very beneficial because now he's creating two hour modules and everything. He's got one well, that's called the go. Long- Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, he's that's got one called good. the Longevity Mindset. You know, it's a series of yeah. workshops and how you develop a longevity mindset and the artificial intelligence mindset and. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, and everything like that. And I think he's very excited about it, and I'm very excited for him because those are mm-hmm. actually quite a bit easier to sell. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and he's got a price for them. And uh, and uh, I said, um, don't don't go low, don't go low mm-hmm. with your price. And I said, uh, there's somebody out there who will pay whatever you want because they're passionate about the topic. <laughs> right. I said to yeah. uh, so I had a great conversation with Joe yesterday. Uh, Joe mm-hmm. Polish, we've yeah. been talking about the annual event, the Genius Network annual event. Yeah. And one of the things that we have now, like I, you know, I've said for a while, just in my observation, that what we've been doing collectively with virtual events is using the virtual technology to replace what we've traditionally been doing in person. So just a, a one-to-one analog of that. It's a six-hour yeah. day with sessions, and, and it's mirroring what, what's happening there. Yeah. Um, but I said to Joe that, you know, looking what you actually now have the, the capability to do is have some much more specific um, sort of um, – content or breakout that you could do with this mm-hmm. in the same time footprint, you know, because yeah. the, in the, the space is um, there. And it reminded me of, um, do you ever remember about maybe 15 years ago when Burger King launched a new chicken sandwich, they, their, their advertising agency created a website called subservient chicken com, And hmm. what you would see when you went to subservient chicken is just a video screen, a screen of a guy in a chicken outfit standing in an apartment, just looking at the screen like it was a webcam kind of thing. Right. And there was one line, one bar underneath, uh, like the Google, uh, you know, search bar. And it basically said, 
um, you know, have it your way. So what would you like the chicken mm-hmm. to do, basically, right? And you can mm-hmm. type in your command for the chicken and press submit. And the uh, chicken would then, it was as if the chicken would see what you've asked it to do and it would do that thing and then come back to its mark sort of thing and stand there waiting for its next instruction. And it felt mm-hmm. like it was live, right? It felt like if you say, jump up and down, and he would look at the thing and give you a thumbs up, and then he would jump up and down, and then he would come back and stand on the mark again, right? And it looks like then you're typing, do the chicken dance, and he would do the chicken dance and come back to the mark. And so it felt like you were commanding the chicken. Like it was interactive. Yes, like it was interactive. interactive. And, what they uh, did, what they were yeah. doing was essentially stitching together um, all these video loops that they created. And how they got the info was they printed up a sheet of paper with a big picture of the screen with the chicken on it, and then 10 boxes on the page, where, and they handed them out to a 1,000 people and said, you know, um, put in your command for the chicken there. And they cook all of the, uh, you know, the 10 things that people um, commanded the chicken to do and entered them into a spreadsheet and put them into, you know, drew out all the keywords kind of thing. And, you know, 80% of the things were all the same things that people Jump were up doing. And there was this, yeah. yeah, there was this short little, you know, yeah, chase your tail, hide behind the couch, you know, and then they would, there were some outliers that they could combine and uh, stuff like that. And so they got all the vignettes that they needed to do. And then they just shot all of these 30 second clips in one, in one session. And it was such a magical, uh, simple thing. So I was saying to Joe that, you know, imagine what you've got the capability to do is create an event because this is an event of discussion of, of being connected to your genius network of other people who want to talk about the same things to mm-hmm. get to almost do the subservient chicken level of, um, you know, research asking people to fill in their, their top three sessions under health, wealth and elf. And see, yeah. you could really build the, uh, you know, breakout sessions, the discussion groups around exactly what people, uh, what people really want. Subservient genius. Subservientgenius.com. That's exactly right. <laughs> oh, man. So that's, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, the, you know, th- there's a, a uh, kind of um, again, I think that there, you know, I tend to think that there's kind of polarizing mindsets. Uh, one of the things that digital does is it kind of polarizes you. You, you know, yeah. you're a one or you're a zero. I mean, by the yeah. very nature nature of digital code, uh, there's no. I mean, I think that what um, uh, quantum computing is is that they're taking account for what. Uh, exists between the one and zero of the computer code. Yeah. You know, uh-huh. like uh, like it's more probability than it is exactly. But I think yeah. the response to digital being in the digital world seems to be kind of polarizing. That uh, uh, you sort out what your mindsets are, and you're looking for reinforcement for your mindset, and you very very definitely um find the opposite mindset sort of irritating you know it's kind of like a yeah they're kind of irritating but the thing is that i think that the you know there's a belief and i think it's um it's partially because um everything else in society has become connected to the digital technologies, and by that I mean psychology has become connected, psychiatry has become connected, politics has become connected, culture has been. 
connected. So all the existing uh, dimensions that are in a society get uh, disrupted and then reordered if something, a new way of communicating actually comes in. And that was mm-hmm. clearly the case. I've read, you know, books and books and books and articles about the impact of uh, mass printing from 1450 onward. And yeah. it was as disruptive as what we're experiencing right now, except it was a lot more violent. You know, it was, um, yeah. there was much more violence connected to it than we're, we're experiencing. And drinking, and, that's, I'm sure that's what... Uh, well, that's what, that's well, what drove the monks uh, you know, into making uh, beer. Well, first of all, uh, beer uh, beer was what people drank because water was suspect. Yeah, uh, and yeah. what I mean, it was hard to get really clean water. Uh, right, water could be contaminated, and you know, and uh, and there wasn't delivery systems for fresh water and and beer and uh yeah so uh I, i'm reading this set of novels about jack aubrey uh uh-huh. ship captain in 1800 fighting the wars against napoleon and uh-huh. uh and each sailor got a gallon of beer a day yeah well and your british sailor knew that if you put a lime in your beer that you could stave off scurvy yeah yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> well, beer was one of the main delivering systems of lines, but uh, even without the lines, the, uh, the the delivery system was there, you know. And yeah, uh, and, yeah just the sheer a sheer amount of alcohol. I mean, I'm, yeah, he's just describing life on ship over days, weeks, months, and everything else. And the one constant from day to day is alcohol. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and uh, you know, probably, um, you know, probably was necessary. It was a harsh life, and uh, this uh, put a little softness around the edges. I, I think. Anyway, but um, the the thing that I, uh, I here's a here's what I would call a polarized position that uh, people are reordered from the outside by the information that is sent to them, reordered from the outside. And this is predictable how they'll be reordered, you know. And of course, this is the, um, you know, this is the uh, uh, marketing pitch for any kind of marketing, any kind of selling and everything is that uh, if you do this and this and this, they will respond in this way. And it could be with some people that's true. And so if you have a bell curve um, and you, um, and in the medium, they're half and half, they're half influenced by what they get and they're half, uh, they do something with it that's not predictable. And then one end of the bell curve, you have people who are just utterly, um, you know, utterly controlled by outside messaging and outside information. And mm-hmm. uh, at the other end of the bell curve, you have people who are who take all the information that's come in and they transform it into something that's totally unpredictable. So yeah, you can give them this information, but you have no, um, there's really no predicting what this particular uh, group of people are gonna do with the information. I'll give you an example. Um, Peter Diamandis and I both watch the news. You know, I mean, I watch it on the internet. I watch, you know, I read the news, I read articles, and I watch short clips and everything like that. It's very edited news. I'm not uh, turning on and watching a couple hours of news and everything else. And he uh, watches it and he says it's just all doom and gloom, it's all negative. And my read on it is that there's a portion of the public that is really, really scared of the future. And the news media is one of these. And one of the reasons people on the news media put a lot of emphasis on doom and gloom because their whole industry is doom and gloom. In other words, they're, they're losing advertising like mad. There's, you know, there's layoffs, there's firings, uh, um, and there's syndications now where, 
you know, uh, the jobs are going down. The number of jobs in the news media proper, I'm talking about the yeah. actual industry called news media, the number of people working in that industry goes down every year. But actually, the amount of news goes up because of social media, you know, uh-huh. that, um, you know that somebody with, uh, with their phone can now become a news broadcaster and news commentator. Well, also, you get the, yes, that's exactly right. But also, they know what you actually engage with, so you amplify more of the same. It's like yeah. Deming's experiment on red beads. They keep adjusting the sites right to what you're... Uh, most yeah. responsive yeah. to, you know, what you, when you hate something, I mean, even the emoticons that you can use to uh, express your pleasure or displeasure yeah. with some idea is um, marked in your system, you know, in your profile. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, and, but, but my sense is that there's a, uh, a sufficient amount of human beings who transform transform information rather than you know responding passively or yeah uh, you know they're kind of happening to the information rather than the information happening to them okay mm-hmm. and I think you're I think you're one and I think I'm one mm-hmm. okay I'll yeah. look at something and I'll say isn't that interesting you know that's really really yeah. interesting you know and I'll I'll bounce it off a lot of other, you know, uh, interesting concepts I have in my mind. Uh, you yeah. know, like uh, uh, to give you an example of, of an intellectual shortcut is um, uh, more cheese, less whiskers. More cheese, less mm-hmm. whiskers is an intellectual shortcut. Okay, mm-hmm. and but it sums up perhaps a hundred years of marketing wisdom, you know, like it's a, mm-hmm. it's a one phrase, but yeah. you took in a lot of information. You said, you know what I've noticed that, that people who um, seem to be manipulative don't really make the sale. They might get the attention, but they don't really make the sale because people are worried that, uh, you know, if they go along with the sale, Something bad. First of all, the sale is not for them; it's for the seller and uh, everything. But if somebody really creates benefit, then yeah, well, that, that's that's a nice piece of cheese. And yeah. Uh, yeah. and so my sense is that more cheese, less whiskers is something that you've done with a vast amount of information, and you've summed it up mm-hmm. in one sentence. And mm-hmm. it mutes it mutes the efforts of manipulative salespeople, manipulative marketers yeah. who say, ah, yeah. a little bit, little bit too much. I'm seeing a little bit too much whiskers there. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. That's, it's a really, um, yeah, that, you know, you and I both have that sort of, I look at things and I'm very like detached from, I take the idea and kind of look at it from different um, angles. I just notice yeah. it now, like I've been watching even something simple like what's happening with the fires in, in California yeah. now or in, yeah. uh, in Oregon and all of this, that you're seeing there's a, a, you know, a, lot, of, a lot of fires. And yeah. you're, now you're starting to see videos of people are showing uh, almost like they've caught people in black hoodies setting the fires, right? Running through the forest, setting the fires. And so you immediately see, aha, this is eyewitness video of their setting Mm -hmm. those fires, right? Mm -hmm. And then your brain immediately goes to, well, if that was your agenda that you wanted to think that that's what's going on, then Who's to know whether that guy in the hoodie didn't jump out of the back seat of the car that these guys are in that caught them doing that to stage this whole thing <clears throat> of catching them? See, they are setting these fires, yeah. which could be the perfect misdirection for the people who actually are setting the fires if there's people setting the fires. It's this yeah. infinite loop of in. Uh, inconclusive evidence, you know, that you're yeah. 
it causes you to think. Yeah. Amplify whatever yeah. your natural well, well, predisposition yeah. and, is. And, and the whole thing is, you know, that uh, we have clients who are from the big cities that are burning. Okay? Yeah. And quite a part, whether it's, uh, you know, you know, what the reality of it is, you realize that the closer you are uh, physically to something that's dangerous, uh, yeah. actually it has less it has less imaginative effect on you than if you're watching it from three thousand miles away or I think you're right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And we noticed that on nine eleven because uh, we had a hundred clients in Chicago on that day, two workshops. I had sixty and uh, one of the other coaches had 40, and um, it was an hour later in Chicago, so, uh, or it was an hour earlier, so um, <clears throat> they were just arriving when, you know, the first tower, I think both towers had already been attacked yeah. in New York, and, and, um, and uh, one of our staff members had brought a little television out to put on the <clears throat> concierge desk, and I said, oh, no, 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 we can't be watching that, and no. Let's no, no, no. Take it away. Don't. You're not going to want to do this. You know. And then the yeah. workshop came in, and I, and I started off the workshop, and I said, you know, my mother described to me what the shock was of Pearl Harbor in 1941, and I said, well, it's yeah. kind of, it's kind of like a 19, it's like a Pearl Harbor day. We're obviously experiencing yeah. something. But I said, here's the thing. You have to make a decision right now whether you're going to be here for the day and doing what you came for, or you're going to make a decision in the next 10 minutes that you're on your way home because that's going to be the best strategy. But you got to do it in 10 minutes. And if you decide that you're not going to be here, then just pick up your stuff and go out into the lobby. And our team members are going to work with all of you to see that you get transportation to where you're going. Okay. Yeah. So long story short, in about four hours, they had a solution for everybody who wanted to leave, and we were left mm-hmm. with maybe 35, 35 out of the 100 in the two rooms. So I said, okay, now, really focus today, because this may be the last day this quarter when you can just focus for yourself, and we've got a structure here for you to focus. And But be here. I don't want anyone in between. I don't want anyone kind of in the workshop, but kind of on the way home, I want you 100% on the way home, or I want you 100% here. And a lot of people have remarked on this over the time. So our team was just run wild in Chicago. And what they weren't doing is watching the news. You know, so if we're probably Uh three or four o'clock and, you know, and... And, uh, you know, we had to get ready for things. We knew that, uh, you know, the airlines had already been shut down. So people were in, so there were workshops that week. We had to get on the phone and, you know, and uh, arrange with people, you know, whatever. In Toronto, there were no workshops. And a large number of our staff were in the cafe watching the whole thing on a big TV. Yeah. <clears throat> when we... The next day, we had a meeting with our uh, Chicago team, and we just went around and said everything, and they were fine. They were fine. We brought in some Krispy Kreme, we, you know, uh, um, you know, big box of Krispy Kreme, and yeah. uh, you know, they ate and they talked their way through, and they told about all the things they had done during the day before to help people. When we got back to Toronto, they were still frozen with fear. They were still right. frozen with fear by what had happened and uh, and everything. And I, I've noticed this in other situations that if you're ever actually physically close to where something's happening, it's a totally different experience than if you're watching it uh-huh. <clears throat> through through the channel of someone else directing you what to think about, directing you to what to watch and think yeah. about. And and so. Um, you're much more active if you're closer because, first of all, it may be too close and you're going to have to take some action to get away from it. Or, yeah. But when you're thousands of miles away, you're in a state of passivity because you have yes. you have no firsthand experience to say, is this right? Is this wrong? Is this what's actually happening? Is this 
what uh, what's happening. And uh, so um, that's just an, uh, an experience, you know, I mean, yeah, and, I'm no, not, and I'm sure this is true about the fires in the West Coast. And it's interesting. Yeah, Lupa's, uh, Lupa's whole family is in Portland. And so she's been sending, uh, showing me videos that her sisters are sending from their, their decks, you know, of all of this, uh, apocalypse looking stuff. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's one of the things that was, uh, interesting about the, this whole discussion, all, all the speculation of whether, somebody's setting these fires or whether it's because uh, building evidence of global warming is, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's interesting that the fires are having such a um, impact, but I, I said the loop, but you know, you, then you look at hurricanes is that are basically unchanged and it may be because you can't start a hurricane. <laughs> you can't amplify start a hurricane. It's got to happen naturally, you know. So there's no no doubt that when hurricane activity is up, that something's going on, or when it's unchanged, that there's something. Yeah. But anyway, that whole because you look at the whole who benefit. Whenever you look at um, something, you have to put it through a filter of. Well, who benefits from this politically or or otherwise? Mm-hmm. Like, if you're going into an election, if you are mm-hmm. a um, you know a, a climate change uh, activist, it would really help your case if it appears that there's wait. Look at the fires, unprecedented numbers of fires mm-hmm. happening, and you know. Yeah, and you don't know. There's always that there. Whoever, whatever it's happening, any of those things of showing the mysterious black hooded people, it's building a shadow of doubt on both sides. Is it? Yeah. Are they? Is somebody starting these fires, or does somebody want you to think that somebody's starting these fires? Yeah. They're both equally, yeah, but they're equally valid. Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting because, uh, you know, the, the creation of news, you know, in other words, yes. uh, something that you're touching on here is the, it's almost like performance art, you know, like yes. uh, your yeah, uh, terrorism as performance art or arson as performance art or looting as uh-huh. performance art. Yeah. And, but it's, I think that they really don't have that much control over how, it's being taken in, and I, I know there's been uh, for about six or seven weeks uh, in one political party, there was no mention of it. There was no mention of the, you know, the nightly burning and looting and arson. And then all of a sudden, a set of polls came in, and it showed that, um, you know, the one side was actually being disadvantaged from this. And it wasn't the side that the news media thought would be disadvantaged. It was the other side that was being disadvantaged from it. And all of a sudden, all of them in unison started saying, no, peaceful demonstrations are good, but looting, arson, and (laughs) everything is wrong. And uh, so they, you know... um, it's 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 and now there's an investigation they're going to invest <clears throat> investigate uh <clears throat> is their organization and funding for these riots and now there's yeah. <clears throat> you know they're they're digging deeper you know um <clears throat> one thing is who benefits but the other thing is who pays you know well, that's who, who finances yeah that's, yeah, that's, who where, finances that's where you have to go through these whole uh yeah, and all those, and sometimes all you have to do is cast that shadow of doubt or that little spark mm. of a of a uh, of thought about it. And I, you know, it's really um, it, it, the reason that that stuff catches fire in our minds so much more is that uh, pessimism is the winning genetic trait. That that's the thing that has, uh, you know, the um, optimism is is uh, is great, but the pessimism has kept us 
alive sort of thing, you know, like going mm-hmm. down the, the trail, a optimist, you know, they hear something in the jungle and they go, do you hear that? Oh, it's nothing. I'm just, let's keep going. That's the optimist mm-hmm. thinking. And the pessimist says, no, 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 I'm, I'm getting out of here. And the pessimist runs away and survives. The optimist keeps going and gets eaten. And so genetically getting weeded out <laughs> as we yeah. go, uh, that so pessimism it, is the survival trait, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, I've been thinking about that. <clears throat> and, yeah. um, uh, you know, <clears throat> and I'm an, uh, uh, I'm an optimist for myself. Yeah. Uh, I'm not necessarily an optimist for other people. In uh-huh. other words, uh, that uh, I <clears throat> like I have pretty good spidey sense, you know, like in yeah. most situations. And <clears throat> I think I've done a lot of, uh, you know, early thinking and early preparation on a lot of things in my life. But yeah. it hasn't been true uh, for people that I know. You know, like, um, um, you know, like um, what I'm saying is my optimism about that I would be able to respond to this did not extend that that I think that other people could respond to this. You know, so Mm. it depends on, uh, you know, because you and I are very connected. We talk to a lot of people and I mean, on average day. And uh, I think pessimism uh, pessimism really requires on the individual basis a certain amount of feeling of isolation. Yeah. Um, you know, where an optimist said, you know... But entrepreneurs um, are optimists in in general, higher higher level than, uh, you know, I mean, if you take, like, just like if you look at our Colby's, where disproportionately quick start, I think yeah. we're also disproportionately optimists because you have to be an optimist to take the risk in the first place, right? To, to go out. Yeah. And we're disproportionate. Uh, I think both of us are disproportionately, um, obli- uh, oblivious to what other people consider important facts. Right. <laughs> I think that's true. Yes. Uh, I mean, the important facts are the facts that support my optimism. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> That's the best. Huh? And that, yeah, well, now I we've mean, got uh, access to them. Yeah, and people said, well, wh- why do you think that way? I said, do you ever walk up the front steps at our office in Toronto or walk in the you know, the um, lobby of our office in uh, Chicago? And they say, yeah. I said, did you ever see a saying on the wall? Yeah. Do you remember uh, there's a series of words on the wall and it's got my signature under them? And they said, uh, yeah, yeah. I said, our eyes only see and our ears only hear what our brain is looking for. I said, what do you think that means? What do you think that means? <laughs> yes. I said, and that's and where said, the, well, how can I tr- control what my brain's looking for? And I said, train it. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's funny. Take, take, take it to uh, brain training school. <laughs> and that's what happened. Then the algorithm learns. You're training the algorithm to only show you the things yeah. that you yeah. are, are interested in. That's, uh, yeah, that's pretty, it's funny how, how, uh, um, you know, we're in the grips of that. I'm trying to figure out the balance. You're probably, you know, better than anybody I know. You're probably doing the the best job of being, let's say, in it but not of it. In in Cloudlandia <laughs> but not of it. You know that you're you know, <laughs> taking advantage of all of the uh, the good things, but it's on your terms. And we're all yeah. admiring the the people who can. Withdraw yeah, well, uh, from it. I mean, figuring out what your terms is is a lifetime yeah. activity, you know, because you're, yeah. uh, you're, you know, you're going forward in a world that's changing, you know, uh, changing, and uh, so your terms have to be updated all the time. What yeah. constitutes your terms? Like, like one of the things I'll give you a, an example. I I was noticing 
for a long time into COVID that if it said the Zoom meeting started at nine o'clock, it started at nine o'clock. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, and if the meeting to get ready for the Zoom call was at 8.30, it started at 8.30. And I says, you know, something I, I'm really finding this kind of irritating that things start exactly when they say. And I said, because at the, in the in-person workshops, both for the team preparation before the workshop and the workshop itself, people come early. Yeah. Like, like people come early. And I said, so I put in a rule that the meeting for the team has to start 10 minutes before the scheduled time. And, and that, and uh, I said that uh, when the the clients are going to about the entrepreneurs are going to arrive at nine o'clock, the first time we have one person in the waiting, whatever they call it, the waiting, the uh, waiting, waiting room. room. Yeah, mm-hmm. I said, bring them in, bring them in. Let's yeah. came five, I came in five minutes early, and let's chat with them. And yeah. uh, and they said, well, you know, uh, they'll expect that. And I said, well, that's good. Let them, exp- let them all show up. Yeah. Early. Let them all show up early. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's a great insight. That's a great. Like, yeah, and I said, I said, because I did, so I, much of. Yeah. I was going to say you so know, much of the uh, value of being the in-person events is the in-between stuff is just that is the, cause when I get, when I come to the live events, I always try and arrive at eight fifteen, or, you know, I'm yeah. leaving, yeah. I leave my hotel at eight o'clock to get there at eight yeah, fifteen. So I'm 45 visiting and have breakfast and yeah. And everything else. And I said, you know, we've got a, uh, there's some parts from the mainland that are actually good. They're, uh, yeah. you know, they're, they're, there's kind of like mainland lubrication, you know, in terms yeah. of it's not this sharp, you know, sharp machinery on machinery. I said, uh, and, uh, and, uh, er- everything like that. And I noticed this week it was a lot better, you know, it's like yeah. the meetings at eight, eight thirty, but the word goes out open at eight twenty. And then uh, we'll just let the clients, uh, you know, we're not going to put out any general announcement about it. But uh, if they get there ten minutes early and they're there, yeah, bring them in. Let's have a let's have a chat with them. Let's talk to them and everything else. And uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, I think it would be great if Zoom offered a, um, you know, if you could have a cocktail party mode where everybody is there, but you could go and invite somebody into a, a bubble so you can yeah, say well, I, uh, I so think they're that, like you know there's i think there's some, of the, food, and there's I think some of the yeah. some of the food services and alcohol services uh could probably uh cash in on that is have a wine party and we'll deliver we'll deliver the food and the wine you just right you know if it's local it, it, one company can do it and if it's not local but my sense is, um, like uh, for the uh, for the free zone, <clears throat> you know, you have the first day for free zone, and which is ten times, and then you have the free zone. But that night's a party, so we're going to have a party in between, you know, a Zoom party in between. Yeah, uh, yeah, we'll take about, you know, we'll take about. Uh, well, it, it'll end <clears throat> at three o'clock Chicago time. The, the workshop will end the 10 yeah. times. And the, let's say at four, we're going to have a party, you know, four to six or something like that. Uh-huh. And, and uh, you know, and one of the things we're going to experiment this time, if there's a group you want to get um, together with, just send a note. Could you um, could you put us in a private, uh, you know, uh, breakout group? And, yeah. Uh, and uh, we'll do it. We'll do it. Because you yeah. do that in a party anyway. You get a group together and you're That's what I mean is talking. if you could like hand somehow have a thing where you could hand select a a little bubble of four. Yeah. And say, hey, yeah. Go, there's uh you know, like to imagine hey, yeah. I wanna talk with, with Nick Danton and Joel Zadak and, and Alex Epstein. That would be yeah, I mean, There's we, nice we have a party have for a nice four, uh, yeah. You know, if we have a party for forty at one of our houses, 
um, you know, when I think about the evening afterwards and yeah. I reflect, I said, I talked to about 12 people in depth, you know, where you right. spend yeah. 5, 10, 15 minutes. I said, well, we can do that electronically. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, uh, um, you know, uh, even well, if they have randomized uh, where you're random, uh, be, you can yeah, even you do, can it do it a random, randomized, a random, uh, random foursomes, you know, where you're yeah, you could do a, in a group of four. Yeah. Yeah. You could do a random, I mean, it's two hours, you know, and there's no breaks. Yeah. I mean, you take your own break and, right. uh, and, and, and so on. But my sense is that you're going back and forth, uh, you know, uh, the the main the main the mainland has an advantage that the Cloudlandia doesn't have, and it's called the law of gra- gravity. It's called the yeah. law of hunger. It's called the law of hunger. And uh-huh. know, I, mean, I mean, there's a lot of physical things that the mainland still yeah. still rules. And my sense is, can we do an agreement? You know, in other words, there's this negotiation going on between the mainland and Cloudlandia. And I said, uh, you know, probably some of the most powerful new uh, products, new experiences is where it's actually a collaboration between the mainland and um, and Cloudlandia. Yeah. Not a competition. Not a competition right. between them, but a collaboration. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's uh, yeah, I think that's pretty amazing. This whole uh, yeah, where you're really embracing that it's not just the alternative that can be an enhancement. You know, I, I like this um, idea. I've been saying that the this is the time to bring back the learning annex. You know, this would be oh, yeah. the kind of thing. Do you remember in Toronto there were? Oh yeah, oh yeah. You know, the no, city that was, was really rough. That came out of uh, what's uh, what's that uh, big uh, tall building that's on Forest Street West? Uh, it became the it was sort of the radical building. Uh, there. Oh, okay. It was yeah, it was like at uh, I think it was before yeah, it was before Spadina, but it was on the south side of Forest Street. But uh-huh. um, uh, and uh, it, it was where drugs took place. It's where. But uh, I think the learning annex came out of that building originally. You know, it was wow, interesting. Yeah, yeah, I have to. Uh, I'll have to recall call that. Uh, yeah, uh, but but you, that, know, I, you know, imagine I, now that that's the kind of thing where you could literally have, um, you know, small um, sessions like that. Well, like, well, take a look at your. Um, um, closing leads, well, closing leads. I mean, by a uh, lead conversion Paul. workshop, yeah. Oh, Paul and um, you know, um, you know, and uh, Rachel, the our yeah. two. Now they just loved that. They just thought it was wonderful. You know, like yeah. Uh, yeah. And my sense is, uh, I'm going to do one. Uh, I'm giving you advance warning on this. I'm going to do a discussion group uh, that's. Um, We'll put the dates in the calendar where we're going to talk about Zoom. And anybody who's got Zoom um, bypasses, Zoom tricks, Zoom things can come on. And Nick Nanton's going to come on. And because Nick has adjusted his entire filmmaking to to Zoom, and he said, you know, um, if you take some time ahead of time and get some good cameras and send the cameras to people and... Tell them, look, yeah. don't, don't don't be sitting in front of a window when you take your, you know, when you take your. Right. I mean, there. I, I still notice some people. You know, they never look at the screen. They never look at the right. screen. They're looking off. And I said, uh, <laughs> I said, yeah, I, I'm trying to figure out why they don't get that they're the only one on the screen that's not looking at the screen, you know? Like, right. Yeah. Why, why don't you just look right into the screen that everybody yeah. else is looking at, you know, but I don't want to be the person correcting people's zoom behavior, you know, like, uh, right, right, right. You know? Yeah. And I'm not going to do it. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to do it in public anyway, but, uh, you know, and some tips, you know, there's just some very basic tips that, uh, you know, uh, uh, if you are wearing something dark, it actually works better if you have good lighting. You know, yes, like yes. You, like you and I, uh, you especially, and then I imitated you. 
but you the a um, um, you know a um, crew neck crew neck sweater or sweatshirt that's dark yeah is actually uh, perfect zoom attire right that's exactly right yeah. Yeah, it makes such a difference. Like uh, having my little Zoom room, my Zoom studio is like I call it my yeah. my private jet. You know, yeah. having my jet is yeah. uh, is a big uh, it's a big thing. Perfect lighting, perfect background. The it's yeah. Well, here here's something that we can talk about on a future episode. Okay. I think that uh, the experience of traveling and uh, you know. Uh, all the different steps of uh, travel, let's say a trip from Toronto to Chicago uh, or from, you know, Winter Haven to Chicago. Uh, mm-hmm. There's, it's not one thing. It's about five or six different experiences and unexpected things can happen during those six stages. Yeah. You, know, you, know, you might have a long, like even with Nexus, you know, going through. Yeah. And, Zoom happened. I was still, we were still waiting in line for 45 minutes, you know. Uh, yeah. You know, and the whole purpose of Zoom is not to wait in line for 45 minutes, you know. Uh-huh. So there's that. And, uh, you know, there's all these, uh, uh, like after 9-11, you were waiting for an hour and a half to get through security, yeah. you know, and that. Yeah. And everything like that. Takes a lot of energy out of you. One of the things I know, yeah. it just takes a lot of energy out of you. So that by the time you actually get to the experience, you've actually used up 40% of the anticipated energy reserve that you had set aside for the experience. So you that's only have 60% true. left. Huh? Yes. Yes. That's absolutely. I agree with you a hundred percent. I think about that whole thing, like literally the, um, all of that in between stuff that happens there, you know, so yeah. much of it. Yeah. 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 And, uh, you know, I'm so, a Zoomer for life. Well, yeah. I think we were born Zoomers for life. Uh-huh. What, what did your, what did your second or third grade teacher, what was the comment? That's right. That, well, Dean is able to achieve excellent results with what seems like little effort. Imagine if he applied himself. Yeah. Yeah, you just didn't want to apply yourself to things that yeah. were not in your favor. I think that's true. I think I've, I've thought about that. That that would be a nice book title. Imagine if you applied yourself, but then scratch out the applied yourself and said, "Quit trying so hard. Did only the things you really love, and still did great, <laughs> and still get everything you want." I mean, that's yeah. a great. Uh, that would be a great book. Uh, title because that's really what I've ended up doing you know yeah yeah well it was uh, interesting uh we were at almost at the closing time here but uh one of the things uh, over the six months I've had conversations with people who were very worried about their children's education and what was going to happen and 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 they were saying this and they were saying this and this and everything else yeah but I says here's the bright spot just think of who isn't talking to them for the six month period. That is exactly right. Do you know what I summed it up for Philip, 12, 12 years old, seventh grade. I've given him now the, the core of the thing, but let me give you the secret to 80% of life is number one, show up on time. Number yep. two, do what you say you're going to do. And number three, say please and thank you. If I number that, four is that's finish the, what you. Before finish the what you finish start. What you start. Yeah. Finish what you start. And yeah, then, and finishing yeah. with your uh, finishing what you start also includes deciding not to finish it. Yes, I'm finished with that. Coming, putting yeah. it to a conclusion. In other words, people yeah. say, "Well, what if I committed myself to this, and now I've decided it's not any good, and I I don't want to finish it?" I said, "Well, uh, tell yourself that." I thought this yeah. was going to be a right thing. I got going. I'd learned something. And now I declare the project finished because I've learned something and I don't have to yeah. go all the way through the end. I said, it's not, it's not a straitjacket. I said, it's, uh, it's actually just to keep you from, um, you know, wasting your time on 
what you're doing. I love it. Wait, waste your time. And then, yeah, uh, but but uh, the uh, <laughs> I just have to say I. Well, here's the thing. We were in Halliburton for our cottages near the town yeah. of Halliburton, and we're in an area called Halliburton. And uh, we were at a restaurant, um, which was open, you know, spaced, but open. And a uh, waitress that we know, she's a regular there, was talking about um, uh, going back to school in the Halliburton school board. There, She was talking about the school board. And in January, I think that they, uh, uh, for, I don't know if it was for the whole region or what, but they had, uh, they had basically a thousand children and it was one to 12, one, yeah. you know, one to 12. And, yeah. uh, in, in September, it was 1300. Oh, where'd the other 300 come from? Yeah. <laughs> That's well, interesting. They came from the city, and they're not going back to the city. What it means is that the household has moved. That's and you see, we're seeing, um, you know, headlines everywhere: people fleeing the cities. Yeah, yeah. Suburbs yeah. are winning, and now soon well, the exurbs uh, are winning. Harry yeah. Dent may have been right about one thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> I think that. Uh, yeah, I think that the city got pushed to an extreme. In other words, cities have an advantage, they have an advantage. But at a certain point, what it takes to live, what it takes to get to the city is now in the range of disadvantage. And quite frankly, yeah. if you're if you're spending a half hour or more getting to work now than you were 20 years ago, you've been slowly accumulating disadvantage, you know. And, yeah. And now it's even worse because uh, uh, the big office towers, they're open, but there can only be two people in an elevator at a time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Which, is, which yeah. is probably less a problem going up than it is going down. Yeah. Probably less of a problem going up than going down. Oh, yeah, because you, at least you have a sense of how long it's going to take to... Yeah, get in the thing. In the lobby, yeah, you don't know how long it's going to. In lobby, you're in line, but right. uh, standing on your floor, there's no line. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. And you can see the cars going right by you, you know, like you can see the cars, you know, 50. Well, that's another win. There's no, on, no elevators in Cloudlandia. You're in 47. You, know uh, you know what they'd need? They'd need pole shafts. Yes. You That's have a right. shaft, but well, you can a, just take the just, pole down. It's just a pole. <laughs> Bat poles, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. I love it. Yeah. Okay. Great talking with you. Talk to you next Sunday. If you, I love it. Thanks, Dan. Yeah. Okay. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.